Sure feels good to take the weight off your feet. I'm from Pittsburgh. There's a town for you. Really can meet people in Pittsburgh. Friendly. A fellow could live and die in this town. He couldn't meet nobody. How about you and me having a nice little drink together now that we're acquainted? No, thank you. I... You don't have to be so snooty about it. I'll have you know, madam, that I know better people than you in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm sure you're a great social success given half a chance. Now you're Welcome to Generation Loss, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. And the great outdoors. And the great outdoors. And you this can, is a you show can hear about... it around us. We're all outside right now, actually. Yeah. We're, we're podcasting remotely, uh, coming to you from, um, you said you're in Coney yes. Island? Yeah, we're all in Coney Island. We're all about uh, to ride the cyclone. Yep. We're yeah, about I know to... it sounds like every other episode that we've done where we're all in different rooms and 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 one of us maybe is talking i i think into a cell phone it seems like yeah this, and, this um, seems like and a, outdoors has progressively telling me to go inside of a house no i'm not telling you to go inside of a house <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that we're all outside right now we're all looking each other in the eyes yeah. and we're podcasting in person right like regular people yeah. <laughs> like normal like we like normal like nothing life happened. is returning to normal we're here. going to, to get nathan's hot dogs yeah we're, that's uh, why we're in coney island yeah. we're there to get yeah, hot dogs. i can't wait to uh, we're gonna go to defaro homeless buggers on a bus like the old days <laughs> wait no hang on a second i have questions <laughs> <laughs> the boogers uh, are homeless or they belong to a homeless person they both i guess I guess that's true. <laughs> well, anyway, we have a guest today. Yeah, C.W. Headley. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Comedian, um, vagrant person, uh, general, <laughs> general fun nuisance to have on a podcast. <laughs> Very enjoyable scamp. Uh, one of my favorite people who I don't get to see nearly enough anymore. Yeah. Especially and, because of the last year. Especially because of the last year, but additionally because I don't do comedy anymore. Um, but also, uh, one of like the most uh, passionate moviegoers I've ever known. Yeah, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. And I, th- I always thought, like, um, when Alex got, like, the movie pass, he was kind of, like, the craziest moviegoer I knew. But then I remembered, like, CW, I remember having conversations with you about movies that you would outright say you didn't like. Yeah. But you saw in the theater like seven times. A, that's a real thing. I would, uh, I spent one time, like I didn't have rent because I was just watching movies four times each as a rule. And I didn't realize I was going to bankrupt me like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, why did you make that rule? Because uh, usually, well, usually I see the movie the first time and I, my opinion is whatever. The second time it changes. The third time it changes again. And the fourth time I'm usually back to the first time. So I think that's just mm-hmm. my process, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's, you, no, there's no need to, like, save time by just seeing it the first time, knowing that that's where you end up landing anyway. <laughs> no need for that. Yeah. No need for that. Why would you exactly. do something like that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like some form of, of 
of filmographic uh, OCD. I'm not sure what it is, but I think Rise of Skywalker is better than Moonlight. Orders of magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't think Rise of Skywalker is better than anything. Oh yeah, that's, one of the worst movies position. I've ever seen. <laughs> Which one is Rise of Skywalker? Is that the last one? That's the one we saw uh, where we were high. That we yeah that we don't remember. Yeah, Lando <laughs> anything gets, about he gets it. Busted for DV and they have to they have to rescue him. <laughs> <laughs> What's DV? Uh, Domestic violence. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a cop. He's not. That's true. No, but there's cops around. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. So CW, we um, usually kind of start the show before we get into the movie that we all watched. Um, we'll kind of talk a little bit about other stuff that we watched recently. Uh-huh. Uh, have you watched uh, anything uh, this week or, or recent weeks? No, I, I was. I spent the past week watching Spellbound over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? How many times did you watch Six. it? Did you watch it more than once? <laughs> no, you no, didn't. No, yeah, just the one time. <laughs> what else did you watch? I saw that. I saw uh, a movie called uh, Vampire in in Harlem. Have you seen that? What do you mean, Vampire in Brooklyn, Brooklyn yes. with Eddie Murphy? Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that movie is uh, amazing. It's really good. I, I hadn't seen it. I, I didn't know what the reputation was. If it was one of those movies that people thought was bad at the time, but now like. And so I just kind of went in cold. And it may be the worst movie ever made, I think. Yeah. It's <laughs> Vampire really bad. Brooklyn. Vampire Brooklyn. Particularly his assistant, who is the actor from a show called uh, Different World, who I like. But I don't know what the notes were, but it read as like, you know, like zombies, that, but coon. <laughs> he's like tap dancing. With this his, is insane. He looks off. ridiculous. Yeah, and he's, the performance is like... 1920s level hard to watch this is so funny he they gave him like this weird curly <laughs> mullet got thing. Jerry curl. yeah but it's not jerry curls it looks just like what would be on a white guy <laughs> like it's like it's like they didn't get a different wig from the other vampire movies and they just put it on it john hurt was supposed to play the role it, just, it was too short production time so they just is it funny? Is it supposed to be well, funny? Thing, Eddie Murphy's character isn't. That's the weirdest part. Is it's like a vague comedy, but he he's played like super cool and like serious romantic guy. He he has nothing funny right. to say in it. He's just like I'm cool, handsome vampire with a weird white person, Jerry Curl, and everyone else is like funny around him. Dude, that's so funny because I just watched um, the Beverly Hills Cop movies yeah. a couple weeks ago. And like he's so f- like he's on fire this whole yeah. time period. Like he's so fucking funny and charismatic, and it's like it's hard to believe. Like I guess it's ninety five, so it's a little later. Yeah. yeah, this movie's also directed by Wes Craven. Oh wow, <laughs> I didn't know that. That makes sense. I guess <laughs> that's really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, so it has a really weird tone because it's like kind of that, like I don't know tongue-in-cheek horror that he did with, you know, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, or Nightmare (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. Um, But also, Eddie Murphy is playing it very straight for some reason. Right. Very weird movie. Yeah, so it looks like this is sort of like the end of the rope for both of them in terms of, like, a certain type of movie. Like, Wes Craven moves on to Scream after Mm -hmm. this and, like, is like, I'm never doing anything stupid like that again. Like plays things like much more straight going forward. Yeah, and then Eddie Murphy like next year does the Nutty Professor. Yeah, it is. It is. I was watching it based on the year how little lessons he learned from the production of that movie. 
because the next four years are just like, yeah, Pluto Nash, you're, you own a club in on Mars or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I just, long yeah. as it's not a vampire in Brooklyn, you know. Was the Nutty Professor like a success? I it feel was. like I mean, for me, I, oh, I remember it was a huge it, yeah. critically too. Okay, like, yeah, the box actually. office was insane. Really, the first one is they made like five of them for some reason. There's like a saga, right? But the first one, I think people. Like. <laughs> um. Yeah, I remember loving it, and then he just kind of like falls completely off after this. Yes, there's, there's Pluto Nash. I love the conceit in Nutty Professor that Eddie Murphy is hot. Oh yeah, that's, that's what it is. You know what I mean? Like when he when he stops being the fat suit self and yeah. he's his regular self, and he's like, "I want to wear spandex." And you're like, "Regular Eddie Murphy isn't like exactly hot at this point." That's the Vampire <laughs> Brooklyn thing too, where he he like he wears like leather dusters and leather pants, and mm. he goes into the like the projects and the black women are like, "Who's this handsome Devonair, not at all weirdo man?" <laughs> <laughs> Who's this hot fellow with the samurai hair? <laughs> yeah, this white man's Jerry Curl. <laughs> And fans. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Eddie Murphy was at a point where he was so popular and so cool. Like, people thought he was cool. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And he was cool, but he wasn't like, you know, he's okay looking, but he's not like a model or anything. He's not. No, know. his girl wants to party yeah. some of the time, if we're being real. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, but I feel like he was trying. Like, he took a lot of roles where he's like, make me seem really cool. Yeah. I think in the 80s he was. I think he probably, like, in the Beverly Hills Cop days, he definitely was considered, like, a hot guy. Yeah, that's probably think so? But this is, like, over a decade after. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a different story for him at this point. Um, yeah, for sure. One more, one more hair joke. He does look like a background person in, like, Black Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that, by the way, when you see, like... Like the Hobbit and someone clearly went to Peter Jackson. We can't have all white people, so it'd be like yeah, Aragorn and Bilbo. And it's just like, yeah, there's like a four foot two black dude, you know, with, yeah, with Hobbit hair <laughs> and he's wearing a vest, but it has like African print on it. <laughs> and he keeps spiking the camera because he's just some guy they found on the lot. He's not even an actor. <laughs> he's just some dude, yeah. They have to like they have to reverse all the work they did on casting where they clearly were like it's a Hobbit movie exactly. so yeah. you know racially keep that in mind. <laughs> we can't exactly print like no black people because they don't because they, they don't the translation is never like okay what would a black person in this time wear just like just throw a cloak on some black guy and just keep everything else on. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are there black people in Lord of the Rings? In The Hobbit, there's, there's a scene where... In The Hobbit. Oh. Doran Oakenshield, the character that, you know, whatever, he's talking about how he we wants all to go know love. to his dwarf home, and there's just, like, a black lady there wearing a Biggie t-shirt just in the lake town. <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing slides and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you guys keep it down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's suddenly like a tall hobbit house next to their house and she's like a few floors up. Just like, can you keep it down down there? <laughs> I'm trying to watch my story. <laughs> yeah. Alright, Jeremy, what did you watch this week? Um, so I watched uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, which is a movie oh, I'd never wow. seen before. Yeah, you... That you talked about a few weeks ago and I since then have been like, like trying to watch but never get around to watching I finally got to watch it uh, last night or the night before and uh, gotta say 
I don't see the appeal. <laughs> yeah, you I got don't in understand trouble for this on Twitter. What, I know people got <laughs> mad at me for posting this on Twitter, but like honestly, I don't understand what the like. It, it starts pretty strong. It starts pretty. Uh, CW, you ever seen uh, Walk I Hard? I saw it for the first time recently, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. D- what did you think? I thought it was funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. You thought it was it funny? It is funny. Yeah. I think the first part of it is really funny, and I think by about like a third of the way through, they just run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, you're just kind of like doing the same things over and over again until, you know. By the end of it, it almost feels like they're just like doing the actual story, right. and they're not really like having fun <laughs> yeah, with it anymore. Yeah. It's just like, and then he's old, and we need to like land the plane somehow, and okay, so now yeah. he's like connecting with all of his kids or Isn't whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree too. It's also very long. Yeah, it's too long. Is it really? It's 96 minutes. That's wow. too long. That's, it's a tight 90. <laughs> <laughs> a tight 90. It's unfortunately it's too long. <laughs> It should be a half an hour. No, see, the th- I, I, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on this part, is that I did notice that like a lot of these movies, it does sort of wear out its welcome around like mm-hmm. the hour mark, mm-hmm. where I felt like two-thirds of the way through, I was like, all right, we can wrap this up now. And then it kind of, yeah. you're right, it does kind of keep going. But I was having so much fun and like laughing so hard at the rest of the movie that right. I definitely forgave it for, you know, there only being like two laughs in the last 30 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah you start turning into like Sonic the Hedgehog, like doing the foot tapping, looking at the <laughs> <Exactly>. screen. <laughs> I love the idea though that uh, Jack White, he's probably like an ego, like insane person. I, I bet they told him, you're earnestly playing Elvis in an earnest movie about Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry. The fact that John C. Riley is playing a fictional character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're actually Elvis. Yeah. And he's like, all right, great. That's what, what I deserve. Exactly. <laughs> what took you so long? Yeah, exactly. Like, I it's about the... time people recognize Jack White, the actor. <laughs> I mean, I think also that the, the maybe the problem with the movie is that it it kind of reuses the same joke a lot, yeah. mm-hmm. where it's like, we are the Beatles. I'm John, the famous right. Beatle. Right. And, like, that joke is throughout the whole movie, like, a couple times. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you're not, like, finding that funny, it, I can imagine yeah, getting like, really tired of it. There's, like, the weed scene is funny, but then they do it again with, like, Coke, and they do it yeah. again later, and another time, another time. It's like, yeah, it's very repetitive. It starts to feel really, like, draining after a while. There is some really funny stuff, uh, I will say. For example, um, the Jews that run show business are that. extremely oh, funny. I was just thinking how... <laughs> That's, like, one of the funniest visual gags I've ever seen. I was watching that movie with a comedian who jeremy knows who's like his whole act is i'm jewish and yes 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 i know who you're yeah, talking and about that, he was like he was <laughs> the name need not be said on the radio no, but uh shmooly shmooly rosenberger you know yeah, exactly shmooly bagel jones he would watch the movie and he's, <laughs> he's cackling he's loving it the sequel to love jones. Yeah, bagel jones bagel jones and that scene happens i, I watch his face go please don't let this be a recurring gag Please let this be a one and done. <laughs> and little um, does little does he realize it's the whole movie. Yeah, he didn't know that Nick Cannon wrote and directed the movie, so it's like look, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I, I think you're. I think that's a totally fair take. But I I, yeah. I thought it was funny enough to recommend that. But again, you know, it's it was especially with a comedy like. There's, you either are think it's funny or you don't, and that can make it a zero or a ten. Right, to right. Some people, you know, so it's uh, yeah, it's. I think it's funny. I, I don't know. It's like part of the problem is it's something we talked about before with like uh, Will Ferrell movies 
where everybody does the joke voice Mm -hmm. and like there's this weird performance of joke that happens in these movies where like it's the like oh milk was a bad idea (laughs) voice where it's just like it's signaling to you like this is a joke in the style of this type of movie and this is the part you're meant to laugh at. It's like in The Hobbit when Thorne goes there's a black lady here. Uh, yeah, that, that that's a very common. It's exactly like yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because I've never. I grew up really not liking Will Ferrell movies. Mm-hmm. Like people showed me Old School and Anchorman in high school, and then it just kept going. And I was like, this is never funny. Yeah. But the one thing that started made me like Will Ferrell movies was the outtakes mm-hmm. when he's like riffing, yeah. and then I, there's like a couple like thirty minute long clips of like all the Will Ferrell outtakes those are some of the funniest things I've ever seen oh yeah but it all gets cut out because there's no story to it he's just like making shit up but it's like I'd rather just see a movie where he's just being funny. And then I guess yeah. why I, I like podcasts. That's what I was going to say is like, that's what that. this era of entertainment is really all about is like people realized, I think it's like Louie kind of was the first time that this got seen by the general public where like you do the scenes where Louie's doing stand up and you're like, oh, this is funny. It's funny stand up. And then there's the scenes where he's like at the comics table and you're like, oh, this is much funnier. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't really work as an entertainment product because it doesn't have any structure and it, you are just like peering into this like little world for a second. And like that's what like Tough Crowd was kind of like that, but still like they had the show structure for it. Um, and, and I feel like podcasting in this modern era is kind of like finally somebody found a way to be like, Oh, we just record it for an hour and we call it a show, and that's Can what I it do, is. Can I do just a quick sidebar about Tough Crowd? Because there's all these, all these campaigns like, bring back Tough Crowd, and it's like, you know, the show where Jim Norton said, "Oh, fucking Muslim suck." I don't know. I don't think it wouldn't play in 2021. Yeah, no, I don't think <laughs> Tough Crowd would would work anymore. Oh, you go back and watch uh, it. And it's like it's dead. It's good for 2001 when. There was a certain, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's it's good because you were staying up late and you weren't supposed to be exactly, watching it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's good because like your parents would be mad if they heard exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny too because I was thinking about this today. Um, that like, what is it's like? Um, I was thinking of like the the titles of comedy albums, right? And there's like the the joke now is like the Netflix album is called like Triggered, you know, like <laughs> like uh oh, Triggered, like something like mm-hmm. that. But that kind of album used to have a different kind of name where it would be like, just telling it like it is, you know? (laughs) And then before that, it would be like, like something like, um, like, sorry, just had to say it. Like it, the the tone of it changes where like, it used to be understood that like blue humor and like racial humor was bad, but you're bad for liking it. But it's like, we're bad together, you know? And like, now it's like these, these edge comics like they they really want it to be like no it has to be accepted as like a genuine thing yeah and it's important i will say and, and yeah it's actually very culturally valuable to say yeah. you know yeah. slurs this, that one album where it's the cover is nick DePaulo on a unicycle and just the n-word it's a pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> the name of the album yeah. is that with, with a question mark yeah. and exclamation yeah, yeah, yeah. point next to it yeah <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, huh? And then an ampersand. <laughs> ampersand. And then like the eggplant emoji, then the sunglasses guy. <laughs> yeah, a fantastic album. A real classic. Yeah, absolute classic. Uh, Brynn, what did you watch this week? <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring bring everything down by saying that I watched uh, 
a very serious French movie called um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay. And that came out in 2019. Um, and that is uh, a very... Uh, so this movie is about a uh, like the 1800s or no excuse me the 18th century so the 1700s mm-hmm. this like arist- like middle aristocrat lady this woman she's really young and she um, her mom is trying to get her you know marry her off to some Milanese guy and she doesn't want to she hates it um, and so they get this woman painter to come paint her portrait um, so that she can uh they can send the portrait to the milanese guy and they have already tried to get her paint painted once but she refuses to pose she doesn't want to mm-hmm. be married but this other woman the pa- the woman painter uh comes and they sort of become friends she's doing it in secret though right and um and then it slowly becomes a love story as they fall in love together um and it's, where's the fire coming to this uh yeah, that's a spoiler um, oh come on! <laughs> what, is it like a is it like a horniness? Is that the fire? Like, um, does she end up killing herself because it's a forbidden gay love? She doesn't end up killing herself. I was really worried that was going to happen, um, but it's uh, at the sort of the first time they sort of realize they're like into each other. She her dress catches on fire at a party, oh, okay. um, and that's sort of. It's a it it the title drop is right in the beginning. She like paints this portrait that sort of looks like a Dali painting of mm-hmm. like this huge like desert landscape with like one single figure with her dress on fire like right at the beginning. Right. Um, but this movie is directed by uh, Celine Siama, um, and she did like Water Lilies and Girlhood and all oh, these yeah. like very fun French movies. Um, this is her, I think, latest movie. It's from 2019, and it's by far one of the most beautiful looking movies I've ever seen. Like it's incredible looking. The acting is amazing. It's like a real, I was really, really impressed. And I think Mm. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse because it like, it has a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes and everyone loves this movie. Right. Um, But I kind of just, I hadn't watched it. It's in French. I hadn't been in, (laughs) I hadn't been in the mood all quarantine, but I, I I put it on and uh, was really, really, impressed um just because it's it's a slow burn like you know meditative love story but it's like edited in a way that is like so it moves like it it never feels boring or slow you know what i mean even though it is kind of slow but it there's so much packed into every scene and uh there's a lot of you know fun stuff there's like little jokes and like their relationship builds just very impeccably uh one of the best movies i've seen in a really long time i don't really have anything funny to say about it it's just incredible <laughs> well, I feel, I feel, and it's and it's tragic and sad and beautiful uh, it's so good i love it i feel it. intimidated by because pick i kind of change my movie pick to, to joker and just <laughs> 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 i love that that's our, that's our upper echelon here you see like four movies that are like actually good and like saying something and cinematography is there and here it's like Joker. He, he's sad and murderer, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's mean and he, he laughs. laughs but he does the dance. <laughs> he turn he turns gay halfway through the movie. That's did the that funniest happen? thing in that movie that we never talked yeah. about when we did our episode on it. That like halfway through the movie, when he becomes the Joker and he starts like doing the the clown thing and whatever, that he like just takes on like a gay voice out of nowhere. <laughs> oh yeah, no one it's talks really about strange. this. Yeah. But he's like. Um, 
I don't want to pretend anymore that it isn't. Yeah, I don't want to pretend. <laughs> like that's so his funny. that's his performance of like lunatic. Can we get a, a dark, like, gritty Zack Snyder reboot now. of the Liberace documentary? <laughs> it's called Rachi. <laughs> Beyond the Rachi. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, anybody who wants a gay love story in the 1700s, uh, this is the cream of the crop of that. It's the best one. Yeah, you know what else was a good one of those was The Favorite. Did you ever see yeah, The Favorite? I didn't movie. see The Favorite, but I should I love that it. movie. That movie ruled. Yeah. I, you know, I'm really like behind on that guy. I watched Dogtooth when I was in high school, mm-hmm. um, and I loved it. And then I never watched a single one of his other movies. Like they all look cool, Killing of a Sacred Deer and that The Favorite and like The Lobster. All of his movies look awesome, and I just haven't watched any of them for some reason. Even though I never I- saw The Lobster, but I did hear good things about that. But no, The Favorite is so much fun too because it has like, like amidst you know this kind of like comedic weird gay love story. There's also like just some sort of like strange depiction of like partying in that era <laughs> that like he really seems like fixated on where like like all the like transition scenes that i re- recall are like slow-mo of like debaucherous parties that feel like slightly too modern oh weird yeah this movie is very like it all looks like a painting from the seven from the 1700s you know like mm-hmm. it, the lighting is fucking incredible it's so I, like this movie made me want to like gush about editing and cinematography and stuff so it's like i should shut up about it but it's 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 it looks like it looks like it's painted i guess it yeah it's, it's great Damn. um yeah so let's get into spellbound you know what? Uh, yeah well can we discuss spellbound while my phone's at four percent or should i charge it you think <laughs> I think you're gonna cut off. Okay. I think set. you're probably gonna get can cut off. Pl- yeah, you might want to go and in? like plug it in somewhere. I will, I will do that right now. I think I can stay online while I do it. Okay. Yeah, you should be able yeah. to. All right. Well, so Hitchcock Month uh, rages on yet another week. Uh, this week with uh, 1945 psychological mystery thriller film noir, uh, Spellbound. Did we lose CW? Did we lose you? He, I think he muted himself. While he he's... muted himself while he goes and plugs in. Okay, so I, I'd grown very used used to the uh, the bird sounds. Um, <laughs> yeah, just whoosh. so yeah. So we're we're here with uh, Ingrid Bergman again. This is what is this? The year after? It's um, the year before Notorious, which okay, I didn't know when Notorious. I picked it. I like here's the thing. Honestly, when I went when I was doing picking Hitchcock stuff, I. Um, I just went through like the top 10 lists I saw, mm-hmm. like people being like, what are his best movies? And just picked the cup, the highest I hadn't seen. Okay. Um, and the ones that sounded most interesting to me and notorious and spellbound were my picks. And, um, spellbound is the year right before notorious, which is interesting because there's more like evidence of the war because mm-hmm. it's 1945, right. I think. And, um, there's a couple scenes in like Grand Central Station in in New York City with like huge like war bonds posters. Right. Very right, right. strange. And also um, just like Dolly's presence in this obviously kind of like <laughs> yeah. adds adds sort of a little ripple to that. Um, but uh, yeah, so basic basic story here is uh, Ingrid Bergman is a psychoanalyst at a uh, uh, asylum, 
and um, all of her coworkers uh, want to fuck her. <laughs> yeah, and badly. She, and she does not want to fuck them. And so they're all like that frigid fucking bitch. Yeah, they hate her. <laughs> they hate her so much. And they're like, she's a fucking ice queen. It's weird. She how doesn't want to fuck men, any of us. <laughs> it's weird how all men in the 1940s were gamer gators. <laughs> yeah. It's really, I mean, the, the portrait of Hitchcock as gamer gator is really starting to kind of come together for me as we watch these, where like every one of these, it's like, you know, it's either like dopey drunk driver woman or in the birds, like she's like this kind of like trickster woman who like still gets tricked back. And then uh, <laughs> last week um, for what did we watch last week? Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. Psycho. She's just like this like temptress thief who, who uh, you know, runs off with this this hardworking man's money. And then the off-screen woman, the ex-wife of the main male, is divorce-raping him. And then, <laughs> and then in this one, in this one, she's just, like, is this, co- she's cold-hearted. And, like, and they, like, several times are, like, just what we need, a fucking woman thinking. Yeah, guys, it also was so great that he, like, I, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, Hitchcock... He made like a woman a doctor in the fo- oh never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they put her in like the ill-fitting jackets. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I love the style. I think, <laughs> I think you know it's weird because it's hard to really like run the line of like what's expected of the culture at the time and what Mm -hmm. Hitchcock believes. (laughs) Because like by the sixties, you know, he's doing stuff that's a lot less misogynistic. I mean, like psycho Mm -hmm. is, is kind of cutting it. I mean, she, I don't think she's very portrayed like an evil person. Like, no, she's doing morally ambiguous and you're supposed to be on her side, I think. Um, but uh but the man is still being like completely destroyed by alimony payments <laughs> and lives like in a tiny little apartment behind a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, about that's the that. whole thing, right? Is he's just like I'd love to marry you, but I'm getting fucking destroyed by my bitch ex. <laughs> <That's laughs> the problem with the fact that he, while making that movie about how like a yeah, woman destroying me, Hitchcock was just sexually assaulting North America. Meanwhile, you know what I mean? Like the worst guy ever. Is he really? I don't know oh, anything yeah, about like him, old, like as a person. Creep, like feely, Mc, big creep, feely McEnglish face. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. He's a big. That does make sense. Yeah, looks. Uh, like he's got the, that kind of face. Yeah, yeah for he, sure. He definitely like makes like that sort of. Um, you know who he reminds me of is um, the Hamilton guy. Kind of, he makes that sort Lin of face. Manuel Miranda. Yeah, he makes that like he makes that like <laughs> sort of like, like kissy, like looking up the lens face in all of his pictures. Where oh, it's just yeah, like, come on. <laughs> I'm I'm cute. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) Anyway, so she's a doctor in this asylum. Everybody wants to fuck her, Uh, and the uh, the guy who runs the asylum is is leaving because he had a nervous breakdown, and uh, they're like forcing him out or some shit like that. And um, yeah, that's funny. The very like it's very uh, the lunatics are running the loony bin kind of Mm -hmm. thing, where it's like every doctor is like uh, assigning each other diseases and <laughs> right. like, yeah. oh, you've got a guilt complex the incel sherlock holmes dude remember where she walks in he like based on how her clothes are he knows she was on a date remember that scene yeah yeah yeah. you yeah, have yeah. dirt on your shoe yeah, obviously <laughs> there's a banana peel on your coat you wouldn't fucking a nigger i can it's just <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna put you away you can't yeah, be in your right mind there's a li- there's leaves in your hair you were fucking up in a tree <laughs> i know <laughs> You don't think I know what leaves in the hair mean, do you, nigger fucker? This is a weird depression. 
anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's what so, it says. Yeah, in the so yeah, so so they're bringing on a new person to lead the asylum, whatever, like be the boss, whatever. Uh, and um, it's uh, a you know everyone's like, ooh, who's it going to be? What's he like? And she's like, I've read all his books. And they're like, oh, you fucking kiss ass, you piece of shit. We fucking hate you. <laughs> And anyway, the guy shows up, and who is it? It's uh, performatively handsome Gregory Peck. The handsomest man Way ever. too hot to be in yeah. charge, everybody says. They're all like, he's so yeah. hot. How could it be? <laughs> I, think, I think that the, the thing is that he's too young. He's too young. He's much too handsome and yeah. too young. But he is insanely handsome. <laughs> they move handsome the camera in on him all yeah, the time. Yeah. Like He's like constantly taking up all of the frame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And just having like little like emotional meltdowns all the yeah. time. Yeah, oh, um, constantly. The stripes yeah. get him. I, I was trying to figure out for the whole movie like, what the stripe connection. I thought maybe like, uh, what's wrong? Uh, this one time, a bunk, bunch of black teenagers roasted me in a Footlocker, so now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> all I see is referees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he uh, it starts to kind of like. Uh, Become a bit of a romance plot yeah. where uh, Ingrid right, Bergman immediately and Gregory falls Packer. in love with him. Yeah, for of no course, reason. because he's because he's so young. <laughs> I mean, he's you very know? handsome. I didn't really know what Gregory Peck looked like this long ago because, yeah. like, to, I, I, in my mind, Gregory Peck is Atticus Finch, right? Like from right, *Tale yeah, yeah. Mockingbird*. Um, but he's got glasses and he's twenty years older, or whatever, in that mm-hmm. movie. And in this movie, he looks like a young, strapping. Lad. He's unbelievably yeah, attractive. Unbelievably it's really handsome. he's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> he's they them just because of how hot he is um, so what happens they start falling in love because he's so hot and young and uh, is warming her her chilled frigid heart and um, they they start going on dates and whatever uh, in big old like Hitchcock old timey sets uh, seeing you know big uncanny looking hills and walking along big uncanny valleys and um <laughs> One day they're at dinner and kissing and whatever, and then she, she for whatever reason, like scrapes the table with a fork. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. he's like, Oh no, I don't like when people do that. <laughs> Which is so funny. And he starts rubbing it with a butter knife to try to make it go no, away. No. So, yeah, she starts making what she calls later in the movie fork lines on the cloth. Yeah. She's yeah. uh, like, I guess. Do people do the that? The way they do the. the, the the part that kept him making me laugh over and over again is how he would go from, like, debonair, handsome-faced man to radio, <laughs> you know, like, in literally a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was comedy cuts. You mean Cuba Gooding Jr.'s radio? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it's not like... He's not like seeing the fork lines in the tablecloth and going like, "Oh God, yeah. d- d- put it away." He's like, he starts to like, like crinkle up into himself and like sweat. Yeah, it makes him really yeah. mean. He gets, he gets really mean every time. He's like a nice guy. Yeah, and then also, yeah, he just starts being like, "Shut up, yeah. bitch! <laughs> Stop doing that!" Exactly, on a dime. Um, and so what happens? <laughs> he, uh, she like. Is looking at his book or what? What? How does the signature reveal happen? Uh, Because the way she finds out that he's not the real person is that she compares the signature. He has a freak out for one of the patients. Like tries to commit suicide, and when they're Mm -hmm. operating him, he has a freak out, and that made me laugh because the beginning of the movie, it's like 
you know, competent female psychologist, and the dudes are like, what, are you insane? You don't want a man, you psychos, insane person? And this guy, literally, the lights are too bright, and he has a meltdown. Like, oh, he's he's tired. <laughs> Let him get some sleep and come back to work in the morning. It's like, that guy shouldn't be working yeah. here, right? Yeah. This, is very, this is very normal behavior yeah, for a like strong, attractive man. Immediately? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, she... He had written a letter, the The real doctor had written a letter, and she finds that letter to the office and then compares it to the handwriting on the note he left her mm-hmm. um, to meet her at the uh, Empire State Hotel or whatever in New York. Right. Um, and, and she's like, oh, that's not the same fucking signature at this all. This is the scene where um, if, if Gregory Peck wasn't in that role, the movie would be very different going forward. Where you find out this guy's like right. a, a psychopath liar, but he's so handsome. Right, 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 right. Right. We can can work this out. The movie doesn't even really telegraph to you that he didn't kill the the Ed Doctor Edward immediately. So she's just like, "I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) He, he, I can fix him." (laughs) Yeah, I'm in love with him, and that can't be like. She even she literally says at some point, she's like, "I know he didn't do it because I'm in love with him, and I could never love somebody who did that." And you're like, "That's." such weird logic like not even like yeah. re- reversed or what it's just this is crossed awful. wires and <laughs> i don't know Simpson was saying it's that when her, her neck was literally hanging off she's like, there's no way this is oj doing this <laughs> there's no way it's oj <laughs> it's got to be our son <laughs> who i don't love <laughs> um <laughs> it's been long enough to make that joke i think uh <laughs> um yeah so she follows him okay so he runs away because i guess he realizes that something's wrong and he thinks he's a murderer right he thinks that he killed this doctor and took his place um and he runs away to new york i guess they're in vermont or something and then he they she follows him there right uh, and be like, wait, wait, you don't know that. You're jumping to conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> You're Come just on. a You're very Gregory handsome Peck. man <laughs> who, you know, we can't know what you've done. Um, and so I, I'm going to stop here at this point and mention that the music in this movie sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It's the same song yeah. over and over it's again. the same song over and over again. There is a angry, scary tension song and a we're in love song. And, and the it, we're in love song I've heard so many in, in so many other places. It's just like generic. It's like stock music. I don't understand why, right. why the, every time he has the freak out when he has the knife in his hand, why do they start playing Uptown Funk? I don't understand. It's like a message. <laughs> <laughs> Put your pinky finger. Oh no, that's 12, 24 karat magic. Uh, uh, no, yeah. as But it's, it's like oscillates on a dime. Like as soon as he's mad, it's da, 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 and then he like He'll like pass out and it immediately goes to in love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it doesn't make any yeah. sense. And it's, it like cuts really hard when there's like dialogue about mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah, they're just like, and the music is gone, Cut and off. they're talking now. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Alfred Hitchcock complained and apparently didn't have a lot of say about some of this movie. Mm. Um, he didn't have final cut, I guess, and said that the score was awful too. So that's not on him. Um, but it is really bad um, and noticeable and it never <laughs> really stops being bad. So she goes to the hotel um, and basically convinces him that it's possible he didn't kill the guy, that maybe it was an accident, that he has a, he's suppressed his memory. She's, he's a uh, amnesiac and has a guilt complex and is, is compressing his stuff and will come out in dreams and will be able to get it through the power of psychoanalysis. Right. And so they realize the cops are onto them 
Um, what do we what do we all make of the way that psychoanalysis is treated in this movie? Like it's it's really funny because it's like I feel like they treat it like the force it is. in like in in like a new hope, though, like when it's either something that you fully are just like enriched by and engulfed yeah. in mm-hmm. or it's something that you're just like, that is a myth, you old fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, they, they don't there isn't a consensus on whether or not it's psychobabble or not. Um, right, <laughs> but I will say uh, it, it borders on rough because when when anytime they want to villainize the guy and when she's like we got to get to the bottom of this and her doctor friend her mentor is like he's a schizophrenic Let, let's murder him and move on like, what are you wasting your time <laughs> on a schizophrenic crazy person <laughs> yeah that's 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 a good point because it seems like he's Obi Wan Kenobi yeah. okay so mm-hmm. they 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 run from uh. They run from the hotel because the police are hot on their trail. They go to um, the very end of World War II's Grand Central Station to get on a train. And they right. go through this whole thing where she's constantly pushing him to, like, remember what he knows. Like, she knows it's locked in his head somewhere. And uh, she's like, just order a ticket to anywhere, wherever you think it is. He's like, it's not going <laughs> to come. And, and, she, and she's like, yeah, try it. And he's like, I want a ticket to... Uh, uh, and he's and the ticket guy's like step aside and he's like um uh i am at I, work right exactly. now can, can i get a uh can i get a fucking uh ticket to rome and he's like rome <laughs> and she's like rome uh G- georgia whatever he's like there's no train that goes there <laughs> Can I learn how to see trains without passing out? Not from a Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) That part's very funny. And so they get a ticket to. Oh wait, wait, wait! She does the she does the fork lines on the on the the table. He's like, "That's a name I haven't seen in many years." He's 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 stabbing his brother in the stomach. Now this is pod racing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they um go and they i don't remember they get a ticket to her her old master's house <laughs> right um, yeah, yeah who is uh brolev is that his last brolev yeah. yeah so in this case it's qui-gon right. Jin. it's yeah so they're going to qui-gon Jin's yeah. house <laughs> so he's like an old he basically is modeled after sigmund freud he has a yeah. like a russian name and um he's basically like oh hello your new husband great <laughs> Uh, and she's like, "Yeah, my new husband. We're just, we just want to stay. We want to hang out, and I wanted to just see here you, Alex. on normal business." <laughs> yeah. And then the best part is that she's like, "We're on our honeymoon, and uh, we just decided to come by. to your stupid little town." <laughs> and he's like, "Great!" And she's like, "Do so you know a hotel?" And he's like, "No, you're on your honeymoon. You don't stay at a hotel. You stay at an old man's <laughs> house." <laughs> right. So they. Uh, I can't remember what happens before they go to bed, but they go to bed and they have an argument. They're like, do you think he knows? And she's, they're like, nah. And um, they're like, okay, we're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to have dreams and we'll psychoanalyze the dreams in the Meanwhile, morning. Gregory Peck, and he then, makes zero effort to hide his insane person face. He's sitting on the couch with the guy and I mean, there's two cops there. And he like visibly, he's like sweating and he looks like a maniac. And they're like, oh, honeymoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two married couples. And he's like staring off into space and twitching. And no one, <laughs> no one says anything. <laughs> yeah. And so when they get there, I forgot. Thank you, CW. Uh, when they get there, there are two cops there for, I can't remember why. Do you know why? Yeah, because they, they're... They're investigating the, the, the disappearance of the doctor, and they say uh, they show him a sketch, 
and it's basically King Kong with a do-rag on. And it's, uh, <laughs> have you seen the guy who murdered this the psychoanalyst, Mr. Edwards? Because they established that right. the German, the doctor they're saying at, he, he uh, yeah, they yeah. hate each other. So they're trying to make you think the friendly old man might have killed Mr. Edwards a little bit, right? Right, right, right. Right, right, right. And um, so they're like, nope, never seen him. And then they leave. And so it's all fine. <laughs> yeah. So they go to bed. They have, they're like supposed to have dreams. And then... The guy is like shaving, and for some reason, something about that triggers him. Yeah, he's like I, a Manchurian candidate, like MK Ultra thing, where he's just like, I am actually now going to murder. Yeah, so he goes downstairs in a fugue state with a razor in his hand. And yeah, they're the playing old- that like Doors song, This is the End. <laughs> Qui-Gon is there at the table, and he's like, oh, hey, I couldn't sleep, so I'm just, uh, you know, hanging out working what's up do you want i'm just eating milk and cookies crackers, do you want even. some yeah. oh yeah milk what? and crackers well, who does that is that a thing people do <laughs> milk and crackers <laughs> it's 1940 so that's all the yeah, food dude. they had that's what There's white no people big ate Mac. back then <laughs> that's a, that's a dead shit white bit. people at a white person's house they have to eat milk and crackers and shit <laughs> like nim, 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 nim. nibbling on some crackers with a, a white guy trying to murder his ass white people <laughs> That is and, true. Um, they're both they're they're like the the yin and yang of like the the Def Jam portrayal yeah, of white yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so so there he's just in a fugue state, not talking. He's like, "You want some crackers?" And he's like, "Sure." And so he makes him a milk and gives him the milk. And then the first really cool like Hitchcock shot mm-hmm. happens where he. Uh, it's like from the perspective of his mouth and the yeah, milk yeah, goes yeah. into the camera uh, and you see the, the guy and then he just passes out. And so you and I find will out- say we are we are entirely too far into the movie for the first cool I Hitchcock agree. thing yeah, to be yeah. happening. I agree. Um, and then so he uh, wakes up and he's like, oh, bromide. Someone's been feeding me bromide, <laughs> which I had to look up, which is apparently some old timey, you know, a sleeping pill yeah it's um, it's, it's it's what you think it is it's, it's old timey medicine <laughs> <laughs> that's right so uh qui-gon that's is what they like, would have called him mickey back then i think uh, oh okay that makes sense yeah. so so qui-gon explains to um ingrid bergman that he noticed exactly what was going on as soon as they walked in with no luggage uh coming to an old man's house on their honeymoon <laughs> yeah. you know he deduced it very quickly that you know he knew what was going on and this he he was like i'm not gonna go to sleep while some crazy guy's in my house some schizophrenic is in my house so i stayed up all night until he came down with a razor to try and kill me and then i drugged his ass and she's like "Hmm, good plan let's fix it (laughs) and so uh they start reading his dreams and then we enter the fun dream pretty much the cool it's what you came for it's this is the the, the price of admission is right here. Right. Cool. So we enter a dream sequence where he's recounting the dream he had uh, last night. And it is basically created by Dali mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. only partially shot by Hitchcock, actually. Oh. Yeah. Um, and the dream sequence just looks like a live action Dali painting. It's incredible. It's nonsense, obviously. He's like yeah. in a gambling room and the eyeballs are painted Jared on the Leto's walls. Jared Leto sitting on a police like... car in a straitjacket. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Superman is crying. Um, uh, and then there's a guy in a mask with a wheel that like is dripping on this, on, you know, on a barn. And then he falls down a, 
a hill and stuff. Anyway, from all of this, they basically figure out the plot of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is not how dreams work. <laughs> but in this movie, again, psychoanalytics is at once a lot of assumptions about people and then just excuses to lock away people. Mm-hmm. And also the key to figuring out everything that yeah, you've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, it's just a magic trick oh, that you wait, do. eyeballs right. and the curtains, guy in a mask flying, a black guy did it. It must be skiing. <laughs> 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 oh, we can I just... <laughs> This murder, <laughs> it's clearly done by that guy exactly. over there. What was your dream? I was in a red lobster and there was... <laughs> No, I won't. <laughs> um, so they, uh, I think, just decide to. I don't remember how they get to Green Valley or whatever. They basically realize, oh yeah, a ski lodge. The kids outside. Yeah, well, they notice that they're like the lines in the thing are are ski tracks. That's not they even from be. the dream. They just figure that out. They just figure that out. They're like, well, lines. On what else could it be? They're well, lines. In the background, when the at the window, and there's kids playing with sleds, and so she sees yes. the right. tracks and deduces from that that oh, okay, snow lines. You were skiing with Edwards. He fell off the cliff. You saw it happen, obviously. It's absolute yeah, nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, yeah. this is like um, the the expression uh, that the it's like a doctor's expression that you're chasing zebras, right. where you like hear hooves and you're like, oh, hooves must be zebras. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you see people skiing, and you're like lines, of course, Obviously. skis, <laughs> white lines. Yeah, white lines. What, what else could white lines be? Can we say though that the skiing sequence is by far one of the funniest scenes in any movie I've it's ever seen. It's so funny. Because their, their hair is moving, but none of the, the rest of the body. And they're casually looking at each other while skiing down the steepest slope of all time, being like, anything right. coming to so you? They... There's a cliff up ahead. And he's like, let me think, woman. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the ski lodge and basically immediately just climb up a hill. It's clearly on a set. They put on their skis and then they're like, all right, let's do what we did when... Dr. Edwards died and then so they go down the the mountain they're skiing real fast but it's like like you're saying it's literally just like a rear projection of like a shaky cam footage of someone going down a mountain really fast probably on like a car or a sled and um it looks so stupid (laughs) they're clearly just standing in front of a screen and then like acting like they're not at all trying to keep their balance they're just standing there looking at each other very <laughs> he funny casually i want to emphasize very very casually remembers <laughs> that he kicked his little brother into gate spikes and murdered him and he remembers <laughs> that and the next thing we see is him making out with ingrid bergman and like oh thank god i only killed my little brother not an adult stranger <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it was somebody I loved, not someone else. <laughs> right. This that shot is really cool. Um, but it is insane. It does it's like what are we seeing and why are we seeing yeah. it? And I guess you're sort of supposed to take from it that when he was young, he killed his brother by sliding down a little rail and then kicking him into a fucking spike. And then he uh I guess when he saw Dr. Edwards fall off the thing that sort of like, I guess coalesced and made him have a panic attack again. And he yeah. repressed everything from his life. Yeah. Um, 
I guess that's makes that's the logic of this movie. So he's like, "Oh no, I tried to save him." I guess probably um, he just fell off. It was it was not, you know yeah. it wasn't my fault, and I I did already make amends. I should have like really felt not guilty about killing my brother because <laughs> I was a child. Yeah. Um, so they're at the ski lodge. He's all back to normal. Basically, he just knows everything. They re- they go through the entire plot, and at this point, I'm like, "Wait, there's still 15 minutes mm-hmm. left. What is?" What is happening? Because it feels like it's wrapping up. Yeah. Um, and they're at the ski lodge and then the cops come in and they're like, hey, it looks like you figured everything out. Except there was a <laughs> bullet in the body of Dr. Edwards that we just found. And then Ingrid Bergman's like, what? How could we have known that? <laughs> and then. How could the audience have known that? No, you never knew that. What a it twist. Really you don't see, just to be clear. You couldn't see this coming because we never gave you any like, inclination it in could be. In the same be. moment, like the same way they, he remembered kicking his brother into spikes, he goes, they say, there was a bullet in the body of Dr. Edwards. And he goes, oh, wait. He remembers with himself with two Uzis, his little kid just laying into his little brother, <laughs> just shooting his brother full of bullets, just screaming. Yeah, flying sideways, <laughs> shooting <laughs> Like a John Woo movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he's like, I don't know about that. And um, they're like, well, we got to arrest you because you're clearly guilty of killing him. You're the only one there. You could, it's, you know, we're just assuming. And then quick, very quick MTV style cuts of just like the trial. And she's like, no, he didn't do it. He doesn't know how. And then like lot slamming the jail thing shut and then just like her talking directly to the camera like i'm gonna free you yeah. um so you just go through like a year of trial apparently in three seconds and then uh how do they f- wrap this up the the when she goes back to the hospital she works at one of her co-workers who initially said he never knew edwards he let it slip that he did know oh. him and then she goes well, you did know him <laughs> Oh, you clearly shot him in the back then, and then she reanalyzes right. the dream with that information. And not only does she do that, any person who gets accused of murdering someone based on a dream would go, "That's just insane." But he goes, "Damn it, you got me." It's like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that'll hold up in court. Yeah. Right, right. So she goes in and she's like, "It's her boss. It's Mister. I don't knock or whatever from yeah. the beginning." There's, and there's not a jury in the world that would let me off with that kind of evidence. <laughs> Right. Well, she basically just goes in and she looks at the thing and she's like, like her notes from the dream. She's like the eyes all over the wall in the gambling and the dancing girl. Okay. Okay. I got, I got it all. And she goes to her boss and she's like, I have a few questions to ask you. Can you help me like understand this dream? And then he just says what he did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Hmm, that dream would mean probably (laughs) this hospital and I'm this guy. And that would mean I shot him. <laughs> and she's like, hmm, that's what I thought. <laughs> and then he's like, but you'll never take me alive. And he like pulls a gun on her. And she's like, yeah, you're not going to shoot me because, you know, it w- you wouldn't let yourself because you're not a crazy person. You're not, you're, you know, would never do it in cold blood. This was a crime of passion or something. Some it dumbass works. like, you know, ancient 1940s reason. And he works. lets her walk out the door. She she pins him with the dream that is just totally insane. And not only does he confess, <laughs> he shoots himself in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they flip it red for a second, and this is another famous Hitchcock mm-hmm. thing. Mm. Yeah, one of the best shots in the movie where it's uh, you see 
in the foreground, a gun and her walking out and it's following her. And then you sort of realize that it's a huge piece of wood carved to look like a hand with a gun. And then it <laughs> does a complete 360. Yeah. Yeah, and the you know gun- how people like hold guns at themselves <laughs> like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> it's so funny looking, but it's cool. I mean, it's, it is it's, cool. Yeah, It's cool, but it's ridiculous. It's this huge fucking wooden uh, hand turning around and pointing directly at the screen and then firing and the screen goes red and yeah and then so that's the ending shot right Hitchcock didn't live to make the r bud wire story that'd have been a really cool shot right <laughs> yeah stand back stand back oh, no 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 no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah and so that's the very final shot i believe um which is weird because it's I guess it implies that Gregory Peck gets off, but it's not really. Well, the final shot is a bunch of black maids cleaning up shit and blood in the office (laughs) while the credits roll. (laughs) Yeah, and they're singing about how we're winning the war or whatever. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah, so that's the end of Spellbound. Um, What did you guys think? Bad. I didn't like this one at all. (laughs) Really not a fan. I went through the motions because the first half, I thought, like you said, the music was distracting and I thought it was boring. And then, like, the middle, after the, the milk shot where he drinks milk and sleep, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be more Hitchcock. He's going to pick up. And then when the yeah. brother revealed happened, I felt so stupid for, like, going <laughs> to watch this movie, and I was so mad at the world. <laughs> We're sorry. It just gets worse from that point on. Because, again, not to belabor the point, but I wanted, this poor little kid got kicked into gate spikes, and no one gives a shit about him. <laughs> Nobody cares. They just move right yeah, on. Well, it's just a thing that happens back in the forties. You kill your brother sometimes. It's not this a big deal. Look guy, you gotta let it go. This guy killed a youngling, and no one. He gets to just get the hot girl. He doesn't go to jail or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh. This one is rough. I um. Notorious was sort of underwhelming. Mm-hmm. In I thought in terms of like you know when you when you know Psycho and you know Vertigo and you know all the big classics. Yeah, I was going stuff to in. See there. Yeah. I was going into Notorious, being like, "Okay, it's going to be really twisty and turny," but it's sort of just a standard, you know, mystery. But it's well done. It's well acted, and this one, even Ingrid Bergman feels like she's sort of phoning it yeah. in. Gregory mm-hmm. Peck is acting like he's in a vaudeville play <laughs> of a crazy guy. Um, it. Everyone is sort of just really misogynist the whole time, mm-hmm. but also the fucking conceit of this movie is that. Here's here's my problem. It's not that it's absurd and they're treating psychoanalysis as a magic trick or a superpower. It's that they don't decide. Yeah. There's no right. rules of psychoanalysis mm-hmm. that we set up of like, here's how it works. Here's how you can interpret. It's just like they're just shooting from the hip the whole movie yeah. of just like, and uh, now I have this information. It's just plot right. magic. Right. It's like... um. It's like the modern version of this would be like the movie autism yeah. where yes, like psych. sometimes sometimes you, it's like debilitating and, and like you hear a bell clang and you're like, oh, yeah. you know, I can't be here. <laughs> well, like that, and then sometimes you're just like magically like I know everything about this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a genius. It's a schizophrenic violin player and the way they go. Oh, what is that one? Uh, um, that's not Rain Over. Oh no, that's um. Oh God damn it! Fuck, that one ruined his that? career too, yeah. didn't it? That like well, ended they said him. like, how do we convey that Jimmy Fox crazy? I got it. Give him an afro and put the leaves soloist. and piss in it, and we will get it. <laughs> so they put like tinfoil, yeah. like he was literally in a tinfoil like, hat. His hair and shit the whole movie, and it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> God, what is it called? The soloist. Just Mercy. It's the no. soloist. <laughs> it's called the soloist. Just Mercy is from last oh, okay. year. <laughs> 
Uh, that movie doesn't look so bad, but the soloist does look really bad. Yeah, um, really weird. Yeah, and then that drops him off until Django Unchained. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where he's he's playing an autistic in that movie too, but it's well handled. You don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, much better. Yeah. I have eighteen. Yeah. Lashes His thing on my is bed. he's like. <laughs> Yeah, he's always a shooting savant in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not. He doesn't know anything. He's crazy because he doesn't want to be owned. Um, but uh, this movie kind of does that sort of classic thing that you're saying. It's just like it's the really early predecessor to you know movie autism, yeah. where it's just mm-hmm. like I'm quirky and weird, and I you know get really angry, but I'm actually good at heart, and I can I have I hold the secrets in my head, mm-hmm. and it's just you know it's not good in the begin like it's so influential in a terrible way like (laughs) it just let people be like oh well if you're crazy you're a genius or you know if you're a psychoanalyst you can just pry plot points out of people's heads with a fun dolly scene i will say the dolly scene is amazing and apparently it was 20 minutes long and they cut out (laughs) all of it because it was just strange and boring Um, and you can't do that you can't have like the dream (laughs) sequence can't be that long Unless it would be cool if they did like um uh like a eternal sunshine sort of thing and like they're in the dream and they're interacting within the dream yeah. and like actually looking around and like mm-hmm. inspecting the eyes and stuff, you know, like Oh, that would be fun. That would be pretty sick. Do you guys sick. know if this movie was a hit at the time, like box office and critically or anything like that? Gosh, I don't know. I I I don't think it was I know that um Notor- um the notorious was i think the last one with this guy uh the producer mm-hmm. um selznick david o selznick right um but yeah it was it was a oh, uh, wait did you guys see hit. the it, it made did you guys watch the trailer, for this? watch the trailer for this no actually. how fucking funny is the trailer for this because that's that just reminded me where it's just like like they're hyping it up and they're like and the name that is uh, synonymous with quality, you know so well. Selznick, <laughs> and you're like, okay, sure. But the best is that it opens with like some scene where it's like a guy getting out of an elevator and it like freezes, and it's like, see this man. Remember this man. His identity will be everything to unlocking the mystery that is spellbound. And then like the whole trailer goes. And then the end of it comes back around. It's like, by the way, did you forget about this man? (laughs) It's Alfred Hitchcock, the director of Spellbound. I wish so badly that that's how trailers work still, where it's like, you yeah. see this guy here with the arm tattoos? This man is Zack Snyder, who's bringing you the picture of the ages. And Batman's like, you motherfucker, I'll murder you. Zack Snyder presents. His deranged fans forced us to make a four-hour movie. A rousing adventure featuring we tall, of- strong females. We were afraid if we didn't do it, there would be a mass shooting event. <laughs> So we made the Justice League four hours long. A movie six years in the making. Four billion dollars. Sexual assaults out the wazoo. Zack Snyder's Justice League because his fans own guns and I like being alive. My address is publicly available. The car.
cops will not protect me anymore. <laughs> Justice League. See it in theaters because COVID isn't real. Yes, yes, not in Justice League. The, the, the police won't protect me anymore. Not after I made a Black Lives Matter post. Remember Wonder Woman, the movie about uh, hope? Well, she cuts people's heads off in this one. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Is this what you want, you freaks? Wow. Well. All right. So that's David O. Selznick's uh, Spellbound, which is, uh, I got to say, not great. Um, If you're a huge Hitchcock head, it's definitely worth watching just for, I would say you could just get away with watching like the milk and gun shots and the Dali scene. Yeah, just watch the Dali scene. That's that's it for me. If you got to like see Gregory Peck just being hot, you could go back and watch... uh, a Tale of Two Cities or David Copperfield. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. need to see this one. Um, I'm going to definitely but yeah, so I watch it. I'm going to edit the, the scene where they're on the train. She's like, tell me what you remember. Then he's the little flashbacks. I'm going to cut in like like footage from Medea or something, but in black and white, he's remembering it. His face is all deranged and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. I can't wait to watch your cut the, of it. The CW cut of Spellbound. It's going to be 15 minutes yeah. long. <laughs> that, you should watch that put that up on yeah. youtube and we'll recommend yeah, yeah, yeah. that cut watch the cw cut. otherwise I, I can't really recommend it because it was pretty boring and just very silly and dumb in a lot of places can i make a career just doing like like black black recuts of hitchcock movies you think yes like, absolutely uh, CW presents the fried birds <laughs> do you remember there was that youtube channel i don't know if it's still around but there was a youtube channel where they just recut the uh, live action ninja turtles oh, wow. movies and like redid the um the voice acting is just like black guys. That's great. It's oh, really cute. funny. It's yeah. really good. I want to see that. I always thought that. I they do were think black. it was called the N word. <laughs> oh no, Jeremy. No, but like, like, like with a with an A. Like, it was like. <laughs> no, I really do think that's what it was oh, called. God. I'm looking at it's on Ben Shapiro's channel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we all agree about Spellbound. So, uh, CW, would you like to plug anything? Uh, no. You have a new podcast. When is this going up? Do you know? You don't have to. Uh, Wednesday. Uh, this will be what? Wednesday? No, Wednesday. Monday. Oh, okay, that, oh, sorry, Monday. Th- that night, I have a Zoom show. Tune in, I guess. Where did people like find it? it? It's in my bio on my Instagram, CW Headley on you know, Instagram. Check out my podcast, okay. the Nighthawks podcast, and check out there you some go. music I made on Bandcamp. There you go. That's a plug. Beautiful. Good job, follow, CW. Follow CW and uh, we follow our show, Gen Lost Pod. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash generation loss, where you can find two extra uh, or a bonus episode every week um, from me and Jeremy. And uh, you get Discord stuff. You can watch the movie we're going to watch the Sunday before the episode comes out. And otherwise, we'll see you there. Bye. From the cradle bars comes a beckoning voice, the thing spinning. You have no choice.